Last week, we continued our study of uh, the flood story by looking at Genesis chapter 7. We saw how the flood is sort of symbolic of this whole death before um, before life pattern that we see throughout Scripture. We saw how it also points to God's preservation of people in trials, which is a theme throughout the Bible. And we also saw how Jesus um, sort of used the story uh, in the New Testament to encourage people to stay on mission. Today we move to chapter 8. So the end of chapter 7 ends about as bad, about as badly as it can end. Uh, it's dismal. The flood had its full effect and everybody, every creature dies. Everything on dry land that had breath of life and its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that moved along the ground, the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. So this is as close as we get in the Bible to returning to sort of the the, the earth is formless and void, which is uh, the beginning of Genesis 1. So um, it's from this low point now that God is going to reset things and begin, um, begin again. So Genesis chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. But the Lord, uh, but, excuse me, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded down steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down, and on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. So God remembers. If you've been tracking along with the series I'm doing in the book of Exodus, this might sound familiar because there we have really, really bad. Everything's going bad for the Jews. They're, they're slaves. And then Pharaoh tries to, tries to push them down further. He issues this decree in the end to sort of uh, kill all the little baby um, Jewish boys. And it's about as bad as it can be. Moses is raised up to be the liberator, but then uh, Moses ends up in Midian, uh, far from Egypt, and not doing the job. And so it it looks really bad. But then there's this God remembers, he hears the cries of his people, and um, he, he, he recognizes their suffering, and he acts. So now just as an FYI, the word remembers here is an anthropomorphism. It's not that God had forgotten uh, and then remembered, but it's it is the it anthropomorphisms are ways in which uh, we talk about God in human terms to sort of understand some of the complexities and mysteries of God. It's so in a way you have these anthropomorphisms as as we speak uh, as adults speak to children. They often simplify things and put them in terms that make sense to the children, but are not wholly um, accurate. So. All of this brings us back, high level, let's stay with the flood, let's stay at a high level, brings us back to this idea of God's judgment of evil. And we see that eventually, God who is long-suffering, he's patient, um, don't I know it, but we see that God is patient with us, but there are points in which he says, okay, that's that's enough, this group has crossed a line. Most of the time, what we see is that the the pain that we suffer is um, is often an idiot tax we're paying for our own mistakes, our own sin. 
Uh, but sometimes there is judgment. There is uh, that what we have done is is so egregious or it's so it's so perpetual that God says, okay, I'm going to put an end to that. And so we get that here. We get judgment. But we also see uh, that with God's judgment comes this this aspect of God's grace uh, and his and his grief at the at the punishment, the suffering that is going on. And so uh, this is, of course, nowhere more true than it is with Jesus, who, who incarnates and comes down to live among us uh, and to suffer and die on our behalf. As a pastor, I often hear people say, you know, how could God allow this to happen? Uh, how could, why would God not stop this? It seems like if God is all-powerful, he ought to be able to do this, and if he was loving, he would do it, which is the classic statement of the problem of evil. And and I get it. I mean, I, I get it. And oftentimes when people are asking this out of a deep sense of pain, I say, look, you know, I am glad to have this conversation at a philosophical level with you at some point. But that's that's not what's necessary right now. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to say. I hurt with you. But I do know this. God is here. Like he has shown up. No other no other religion or worldview attacks the problem of evil in the same way that Christianity does, in which we say, yes, I don't, I don't understand why God is doing this, but he, but the father understands what it looks like to lose a son. And, and the son comes up and he suffers alongside us. And that's what I can say. He knows, and this will turn. It does end well. And so God will put an end to this. Um, but he is he is so long suffering that that more would have an opportunity to repent and to come to him. So we get all that as a big model, high level, uh, out of these early chapters in Genesis. Have a good day.